Good afternoon, everybody. I'm your host, T-Ups, and welcome to It's Our Time. I am especially excited to be here today because I believe today's show will enlighten the many podcast listeners out there today. If it's okay with you guys, I would like to discuss racism in America and in the workplace. As an African-American man of 51 years old, I know for certain that racism is real and it exists in our society. As recently as yesterday, people, I watched a black man walk past me at a local gas station. We spoke to one another and then the black man spit on the ground. As he spit on the ground, a white man said, really? You're going to just spit on the ground like that? Really disrespectful. And he was really, really obnoxious. White privilege is what I like to call it. At that time, though, the black man approached the white man and said some expletives, some really harsh and uh, damaging words were used when he was speaking to this white man. Then all of a sudden, the white man stepped back in fear. He raised his hands and he said, I don't want any trouble. My reaction was, brother, don't touch that white man because if you do, it's not going to go in your face. I was kind of profound and shocked at the fact that the white man said he didn't want any trouble. Because at the end of the day, when you meddle in somebody's business that has absolutely nothing to do with you, you want some trouble. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't say a word. But anyway, shortly after that, the black man, he walked away. My question to everybody out there listening is, why did the white man think it was okay for him to say anything to the black man? Why did he think it was okay to feel like he had to express himself to this black man? I mean, did he feel that comfortable saying what he said? Or was it arrogance? Was it white privilege? I'm asking you people, what was it? I do believe, however, that the response given by the black man was simply, I refuse to take this crap from anyone, let alone this white man that's in my business, questioning me, a grown black man, about why I did what I did, or why am I doing what I'm doing. So the response that the black man gave the white man yesterday was 
aggressive. And unfortunately for us, sometimes we are put in a position position to where we have to be aggressive. Not by choice, but by circumstance. I mean, I'm going to keep it real with you. I would never suggest that violence be a means to an end. But I would say that white America needs to mind their business. I mean, at the end of the day, where did this arrogance come from? Really, where did it come from? And why do they feel like that they have to do what they do? I watched a show the other night called American Skin. Um, it was an interesting movie. It was on uh, Prime Video. I won't put the details of it out as far as what it was about and what happened in the ending. But just keep in mind, black people, that it's called American Skin. Um, it's a really, really uh, strong movie. It's an eye opener. So I, I would love to, uh, I would love for you guys to get out there and listen and watch that movie. But what I'm getting at is that I will say this in the movie, there was a black gentleman and he asked the question. He said, why are we the only ones who have to do things peacefully? He said, when white people get angry, they kill people. Then he said, they kill people by force. When is the last time you saw a group of white people march for something that they felt like they had been disrespected in or that they felt like there was some form of discrimination that had took place in their lives? Is there anybody out there who can tell me one time one time when a white group or a white organization got together and marched down the street in protest for something that they feel like they have been discriminated against for whatever the reason is. I personally can't think of any, but I'm not the smartest man in the world, so I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I have heard several times, back to the uh, topic anyway, I have heard white men state several times, blacks need to go back where they came from. But at the end of the day, what's the real question? The question is, we know where we came from, but do you? Do you know where you came from? See, it's like this. White people, for the most part, are wanderers. They go here, they go there, and they literally take and claim things that never belonged to them to begin with. I mean, white people went to Africa and took our ancestors and brought them back here. So let me ask the question again. Where are you from, white folk? 
Where do you come from? See, we know who our descendants are. We know we're descendants of Africa. But where are you from? Who are your descendants? What can you say your descendants have done positively? They've taken, they've stole, they've killed. We know this. I know this is a conversation for another day. So uh, moving on, and what I mean by moving on is the fact that where are white people from, that conversation is something we're going to deal with down the road at another time. So I'm going to keep moving on the topic of racism in America and in the workplace. Because here's the thing, when I think of racism in recent years, I think of Donald J. Trump. His recent approach is is eye-opening to me. It's eye-opening. It's it's, uh, his racist. He's extremist. They feel like they feel like they don't have to be called a racist anymore. And that's the thing. White people are so used to here lately as as once Donald Trump got in the office, white people felt like they could do what they wanted or they felt like they could say what they wanted to say. They don't have to be closet racist anymore. They can come out of the closet and be the racist person that they intended to be because they're going to get the support from every white organization in America. And at this point, the biggest KKK right now is the is, a, is our police department. And I'm not saying that all police are bad. But that one bad officer makes it hard for the, for the rest. And don't get me started on those uh, black officers that turn their back. But I'm going to back off of that, too, because uh, that's a conversation for another day. Also, like I said, white people don't have to be closet racist anymore. They can just come out and be the true racist that they really are. I mean, it's simple. If the president of the United States can show his true racist behavior then it must be okay to be a racist because they conduct themselves the same way. When the white man um, at the gas station approached the black man for spitting, he felt that he was obligated. And white people need to make black people accountable for their actions. That's how they feel. They feel like they need to make us accountable for what we do. They feel like they have to make us accountable for what we say. But that's not the case. White people, when are you going to be accountable for what you do and what you say? At some point, you're going to have to take responsibility for all the negative things that you've done to people. All the things you stole, 
all the things you've taken credit for that you didn't do, that you didn't have the capabilities of doing, at some point, you're going to have to take credit for that. It's a fact. In all actuality, we need to make white people accountable. I've been in my line of work for 26 years now. And even at work, racism is obviously blatant. I can't speak for my co-workers, but every time I'm approached in this way, I have to address it right then and right there. Anytime somebody approaches me on the most minute borderline racist anecdote, T-Ups is going to tell them to back the heck up. I ain't going for it. And it's going to go down however it goes down. The sad part is that there is never anything done about it, though. You see, everyone needs a job. So black people working there won't say a word, no matter how bad it stings. They make sure that they put us in a position to where we have to work, we have to pay bills, and they just give us enough to do that. And the sad part is, is that we see the racism, but a lot of us are so scared we're going to lose our jobs or or, or they don't want to be considered Nat Turner, the Nat Turner of the world or the Colin Kaepernick's of the world. So they take a back seat and let white people just do and say to them what they want and treat them how they want. And I just, I'm not one of those people. I'm gonna always express myself. But unfortunately for us, it's a trained behavior. Some of us are taught that because our grandparents were passive. And when police pulled up on the scene, we, our grandparents buckled up got scared let police do and treat them any kind of way and that filtered down to our parents being scared of uh, racist annex that might go on and they don't want to speak up or they don't want to say anything and they just let things go down however it's going to go down and then in turn we take on the same mentality that our grandparents and our parents took How many people out there get pulled over by the police and you get nervous? Why do we get nervous? Do we get nervous because we know that the potential of us being George Floyd is high? There's a high probability that you come into an encounter with a police officer. There's a possibility that you might not make it home. So we have to teach our young children and our young, the young folk, how to deal with these situations and and, and what to do and what to say. And and, and we can't be rebels all the time. The ultimate goal is to make it home. We the black people have taken a mindset that says we won't speak up. Even if it's degrading, Racist, painful. The warden at my facility, the facility I work, 
basically her entire being on oppressing blacks and turning a blind eye to those who do the same things. You might complain about the discrimination or the harassment and you might go to your human resources department to try to get answers. And I've seen situations where human resources might not get back with you. Black folk, we have to understand that in our workplaces, human resources is not our friend. Our human resources department don't work for us. Our human resources departments are here to see what they can do to take us out of a situation. Now that doesn't mean that we can't win a situation, but it's not their goal to assist us in winning. So for all you uh, black folk out there that think your human resources department is on your team, they're not. They may see you and laugh with you and smile and talk to you when you get to, hi, good morning, how are you? Have a cup of coffee with you or something. But when it goes down, they're not your friend. See, the warden at the facility I work at, she baits them. And what I mean by she baits them, she might throw a birthday party for them at work or they were in a situation where she had a baby shower for one of the uh, females that worked there in human resources. <coughs> and what that does is, is that it makes their relationships personal. And that's what she does. It's not a good thing. It's not a good look. But that's what she does. When you look at issues and you complain Through my lenses, I have to question where are the black supervisors? That's what I do. I ask, where are the black supervisors at work? Why don't we have any? Why won't she promote any black people? Does she feel like we're not qualified? Or are we inferior? What is it? What happened to quotas? Is 10 to 1 a quota? Where for every 10 people you have in a supervisory position, you have to have one black? What's, what's positive in that? And then we celebrate Black History Month. And we walk around and we chuck and jive with them. For Black History Month? Well, I'm not shucking and jiving with them. Because Black History Month ain't enough. We deserve every day. Just like they do. 365. Give me all of mine. How do we have nearly 60 supervisors at my facility? 60 or so. And only has six to seven that are black. I don't understand 
how her supervisors don't see or is it that they don't care? I like to think the latter. <clears throat> I like to think that they don't care. I'm angered because there are so many young black staff uh, working at the job, the facility, that are qualified, but they won't even look at them. They won't even give them an opportunity. They may, they may apply for these supervisory positions and, 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 and other positions throughout the facility, but they're not looked at. They're not talked about. They're not asked. And when they call them in and they tell them that we we went in another direction and we don't want to, we're not going to give you the position. We're going to give it to somebody else. We as black folk get so scared that we don't even ask them why. What does he have that I don't have? Or what does she have that I don't have? I dare all of you to take a minute and Google and find this out for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but look it up for yourself. If you look at studies, you'll see that businesses and facilities are run better when black people are running these businesses and facilities. This is a fact. Like I said, do your own research. Don't take my word for it. Get it for yourself. When black people are in charge, people come to work. Positive things happen. The unity is different. See, we have to have black supervisors in positions because sometimes the only people who can be sensitive to the needs of a black officer or a black co-worker is a black supervisor. Because that black supervisor can understand where this person is coming from. They can understand what this person is dealing with and they are able and more equipped to give this black coworker the, the, the things or the, 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 the questions to answer in, in the path that they might need to get to where they're trying to go. The importance of having black supervisors is for a young black staff to have people in place that they can look to for help, issues, and confidence. It's a shame that as African Americans, we don't have anyone to be our voice. We have to fend for ourselves and make things work the best way we can. We have to have our own, we have, we have to have our own voice. We don't have anybody out there that's willing to put themselves on the front line for us. Issues that I've dealt with. The NAACP garbage. If you're not a card holder or a member, they won't give you all of their resources. Then, then, then why do we need you? The EEOC. Why do we need you? Why do we need these people? 
And the bigger question is not so much why do we need these people, but who's going to stand up for us? Who's going to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of seeing these people being mistreated in this facility. And we're going to make some changes. We're going to we're going to balance the scale. We're going to equal equal out and even out this racial imbalance as it pertains to hiring blacks and whites. Why don't you have any black supervisors in positions? We're going to fix this. I'm going to tell you one thing. And you can take it however you want. <clears throat> I'm a fighter. And I'm going to speak up no matter what. If I'm right, and I know I'm right, deep down in my gut, I'm going to speak up. I refuse to allow any man to disrespect me. I will not subject myself to racism. It's not going to happen. I do, however, have a question. As I say, we don't have anybody to stand up for us, to get on the phone and call these people and call call our central offices and make some noise for us. I have a, a question. Where are the pastors? Or those uh, black organizations like I said, the NAACP, the EEOC. Where are these people? Where are they when you need them? Where do we go? Black people, where do we go? As a black community, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Do we have to just keep subjecting ourselves to this blatant racism? Where do we go from here? How do we fix the wrongs of so many before us? We have to fix these things. We can't lose another black person. To this murdering society that we have, even the black on black crime, social injustice, senseless murdered by white police. Where do we go from here? We need to step up for people like Marcellus Stennett. Jonathan Price, Rashard Brooks, George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Bothan John, Philandro Castile, Alton Sterling, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown. We got to stand up for people that are put in these positions. And for people that are oppressed and for all the people that I just named that were murdered senselessly by white police. I, I once watched the, I was watching the news one night and I saw a white man 
obviously on drugs with a pair of shorts on on the highway waving a machete hitting cars with the machete the police showed up and they talked to that man for 30 minutes until he gave up 30 minutes they talked to this white man on the highway waving a machete what if it was one of us? Do you think they would have gave us that 30 minutes? I don't think they would have gave us that 30 minutes. They would have gunned us down. We wouldn't have got that 30 minutes. I think about my brother Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick took his first knee on August 26, 2016, in protest for all racial equality and injustice. Since Colin Kaepernick took his first knee, there were 223 black Americans killed by police. Let me say that again. Since Colin Kaepernick took his first knee, 223 black Americans have been killed by police. Colin Kaepernick took a stand for racial equality and injustice by taking a knee. He took a stand by taking a knee. In closing, I would like to read a scripture from Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 28. And it says, For we are all sons of God through Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. We are all one, no matter the color of our skin. And this is me talking, this isn't the scripture. We are all one, no matter the color of our skin. The sooner we get this, The sooner we as black Americans can begin to feel free and appreciated. The sooner we get that, the sooner black people in America can feel free and appreciated. We are all one no matter what. I don't understand why black America thinks they're better than us. As I was doing some study and I came across this short poem written by a young lady named Renee Ader. And um, I would like to read it to you. It says, 
I am angry. I am anguished. I am heartbroken. I am hollowed out. I am sick and tired of police needlessly killing black and brown people. Some people still see men as threats to brutalize, to contain, to remand. They have stereotyped our grandfathers, fathers, husbands, sons, and nephews as monsters subject to violence and death. They have killed our grandmothers, mothers, wives, daughters, and nieces. Every time I watch of the video of George Floyd's death, my heart weeps. Who in their right mind kneels on another human's neck and ignores desperate pleas of, I can't breathe? Where is the humanity in these white police officers? Policing should not be predicated on brutal force and on complete disdain for black life. White supremacy has no place in the criminal justice system, in government, in the White House, in the United States of America. Black lives matter every second, every minute, every hour, and every day. I thank you. And once again, this is T-Ups for It's Our Time. God bless you and have an amazing, amazing end of your week.